Uh, but this morning, I'm going to preach a message out of Psalms 23. And if you've brought your Bibles, turn to Psalms 23. And uh, I felt like it was uh, very fitting in light of what we've been preaching on. And uh, I don't think I have ever officially preached in my years of ministry out of Psalms 23, which maybe some might find that to be a little odd. I've, I've commented, I've threatened, I've talked around it, I've, I've even made some points out of it and, and, and things of that nature, but I have never fully sat down to say, I'm going to preach because God put it on my heart out of Psalms 23. And as I begin to look at this this week, I begin to come into conflict, uh, writing uh, ideals down and, and writing things out. I'm like, this thing, every time I come back and look at this chapter, I have a whole different set of points. And what I come to find out and you might have already known, is that you could preach this on the shepherd's view. Uh, and, and, and starting there in the Lord is my shepherd. And then it'll make its own points there uh, uh, coming on a shepherd's view of sheep. But then you could preach this from the sheep's view towards the shepherd. And so I, I realized, and the Holy Spirit allowed me to uh, see that that's why there was so much going on. I could not get zeroed in. So this morning, if you get a combination of the two, think about it as being at a buffet or that you get a combination platter. When I go out to eat, wherever we go, I will probably always get, if you're with me, a combination platter. I like tasting and eating multiple things at once. Uh, I'm just like that. And so, but this morning, I want to come through this uh, from the sheep's view, if the Lord will allow me. Uh, the title of the message is, The Lord, or When the Lord is Your Shepherd. When the Lord's Your Shepherd. And so, let's read it. And uh, I need to read it. I thought I would quote it and show off a little bit, but uh, I, I'm, I wouldn't do it as well as probably some of you or some of the kids could. And so let me read it uh, so for the sake of embarrassment. And he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come now. Lord, we thank you. And thank you for the privilege of being in a free country, in America. And Lord, that we have the freedom of religion at this time, and we can come to the house of God. And we thank you for that. Now help us. Help our hearts to be attentive to your word. And as we look at this, when uh, a person uh, makes you their shepherd, Lord, uh, there are some good benefits. I'll be with those that couldn't be here today because of sicknesses and they're under the weather. And 
Lord, I, I believe that they wanted to be here. They just couldn't be. And I ask that you touch them in a special way today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, by way of introduction, there are over 500 references to sheep in the Bible. On something about sheep, I don't know a whole lot about sheep other than my grandfather used to keep some. And when I say some, he probably had about 20 or 30, maybe 30 uh, sheep. He had cattle also. And I always enjoyed going out to the farm there and watching him as he interacted with the sheep and interacted with the cattle and how they would come in to feed. And, uh, and he'd feed them in the evenings and, uh, and so on and so forth, watching them as they would lay down uh, down there by the creekside in front of the house there uh, in the cool with the breeze blowing and they'd be chewing the cud and enjoying the day. And the last couple of days, how the weather has been, has really uh, allowed my mind to think back about those times. And, and every once in a while when the, when the humidity is just right and the sun's just right, it kind of re- brings back a childhood memory. And I, I remember that as those animals would lay down there and uh, they like a little breeze blowing because of the flies and so when that breeze blowing the flies don't get after them so bad and they can enjoy the shade and enjoy the grass that they're going to graze on but the now sheep the nature of sheep sheep are uh, they're gentle animals they're submissive animals but they're animals that are prone to wonder and sheep they need constant guidance and care and sheep They need a shepherd. And one of the things you'll find if you're a farmer, uh, the Bible would refer to you maybe as a herdsman or a shepherd, is that you don't get many vacations. Sheep require time uh, to be invested into them. Uh, I remember Uncle Bill, he had a dairy farm and he never took any vacations uh, there. He had milked about 80 head of cattle there and he, he just never went on vacation. He never went out on Friday night to, you know, out on the town for supper uh, or a movie because he was busy milking and Cows, they got to be milked, dairy cows, at least two times a day. And that requires somebody that's going to be there to give themselves, to give their life. And that got me to thinking about the Lord, where the Lord says in John chapter 10 that He's the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth His life for the sheep. And I got to thinking, well, I'd always thought about that. And I'm thinking, Christ did. He died on the cross for us. He gave his life. That's not all that he's talking about there. Because when you're a shepherd, you're going to give your life. You're going to give your time, your treasure, and your talent to invest into the lives of your livestock, namely here, sheep. And so in this life, Let me put a biblical perspective. In this life, you're going to be shepherded by one of two shepherds. Now, the Bible names the Lord Jesus Christ as the Good Shepherd. And then he names him as the Great Shepherd there in Hebrews. And then there in 1 Peter 5, he says that he is the Chief Shepherd. But the Bible also talks about another shepherd. And he says that this other shepherd is a foolish shepherd. He says this other shepherd is an idle shepherd. And that shepherd is 
the devil. And so you're going to be shepherded by one of the two shepherds in your life. Remember a couple of weeks back I asked and said, uh, you can tell who's managing you. I said, you're going to be managed in this life by one of two uh, persons, the Lord Jesus Christ, God, and the devil. When God is managing you, because you're born again, you're his child, you're going to exhibit symptoms of love and joy and peace and gentleness and meekness and kindness. But when the devil is your manager, uh, when that idle shepherd who is going to allow you to do whatever you want to do and allow you to invest in the flesh, you're going to have anger. You're going to have backbiting. You're going to have malice. You're going to have drunkenness. You're going to have sin. Those will be the symptoms of having to been shepherded by the wrong shepherd. And here David... Right here in the first verse, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I probably could stop right there and preach a whole message. And I want you to know, there would be many messages that could be preached just out of this. And I will not do it justice today. So don't think that what I cover would exhaust this. But you could preach it right there because David is making a declaration that he has made a decision that the Lord is my shepherd. That's personal possessive in your language. Personal possessive. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And so we see David makes this thing a personal choice, and he claims it, it's possessive. He's making the choice that Jesus is going to be his shepherd. Now, David knew a little something about being a shepherd. He started out keeping his father's sheep there, Jesse. Matter of fact, that's where they found him when Samuel come in. And we preached on Samuel last week about being the last prophet of God or the last judge of God there before the kings, the time of the kings. And it was Samuel who had anointed David to be king upon God's say-so. But David was out there keeping his father's sheep. They didn't even know he had any more sons. And, and the Lord kept telling Samuel, this is not him. It's not Eliab. It's not this one. And so finally Samuel said, do you have any more kids? He said, well, yeah, I got one. He's the little one. He's out there. And Samuel says, go get him. So David, he knew something about being a shepherd. But in this statement... David is not only declaring and exhibiting personal possession, but he's exhibiting and declaring the proper mentality. Even though he had been a shepherd, and at this time he was king of Israel when this was written, possibly on the run from Absalom, is when he penned these words. But he says the proper, the Lord is my shepherd, meaning that he recognized himself as a sheep in need of a shepherd. Now that's quite a thought, and I believe that we probably could stop right there and make a few comments and have an altar call, and probably most of us would need to get on the altar because I don't think a lot of times our mentality is proper. Well, the Lord's the shepherd, <laughs> yeah, but... 
I'm not quite a sheep. God's, God's got to do what I say. We hear a lot of preaching like that today. You know, you got to make God do what you want. Uh, I got news for you. That's not in this Bible. And, and that was what Balaam, that was the preaching that Balaam, the health and wealth preaching that Balaam, remember the false prophet? He told and advised Balak. He says, here, I can't, God won't let me curse them, but here's how you get God mad at them. You're going to make God do what you want to do. As you call them and cause them to sin, invite them to one of your worship services. And he said, God will get mad because he's a jealous God, and he'll start wiping them out for you. So no, God, (laughs) the proper mentality is we don't make God do anything. The mentality is he's the shepherd, and I'm the sheep. And then he throws in there, I shall not want. (laughs) You say, well, I know the Lord's my shepherd, I'm saved, and and, and I, I, I have thought of myself as a sheep, but there's been times when I wanted things that wasn't there. That's not David declaring that, hey, because the Lord's my shepherd, I get anything I want. And by the way, I want this, and I want to do this, and I want that, and why ain't it here yet? And I want to live my best life now, so I don't want to have to invest in eternity. I don't want crowns in heaven. I want mine now. That's not what David's saying. That's not the declaration he's saying. And you can prove that because of his mentality. He is sheep. Christ is the shepherd. And he's saying that I want what my shepherd wants to give me. I want what my shepherd will provide me. So it's not a phrase that says... I can just name it and claim it. If God's my shepherd, he's my genie in a bottle, I'll rub it a few times, drop a couple bills in the plate, and voila! That's not what David's saying. And there's a whole lot right there in that verse. You could preach a message there on that phrase, I shall not want. Because there's been times in my life that I had wanted things... (laughs) That I didn't have. I had desires that I wanted to be fulfilled that God hadn't provided. And so what we see here with the proper mindset is that David was going to be satisfied and what the shepherd had provided. You see, and so when the Lord is your shepherd, you're going to be a satisfied sheep. And I've hinted to that, the phrase, I shall not want. That's satisfaction of having made the Lord Jesus Christ your shepherd. You see, Jesus won't leave you. Jesus won't take advantage of you. Jesus won't desert you in your hour of need. need. But the idle shepherd will. He'll take advantage of you, but not the Lord. And David had made this choice. The Lord to be his shepherd. He knows what we need before we ask Him. He's a God that can do anything, and we understand that. You think about this. If God spoke the worlds into existence, and if God parted the Red Sea, and if God fed about a couple million people in the wilderness on manna for 40 years, He has no problem today supplying you with what you need. It hinges on your wants. Do you want what is right? 
You see, when Jesus is your shepherd, you'll be a satisfied sheep if you have that proper mindset. He says, I shall not want because he supplied it. David is settled that God will supply. David wants God, what God has supplied. And David is resting in the goodness of God's supply. Our problem is that we don't want what God has supplied. We have problems being content. And even sheep are prone to wonder. The grass is always greener somewhere else. And sometimes God just wants you to take a little rest and to be content. The Master knoweth all. And so when Jesus is your shepherd and you're viewing Him as the shepherd and your mind is right, your mental uh, uh, mind is right, that you understand your sheep and you're there for the glory of God, you'll be a satisfied sheep, but you'll be a sustained sheep. He says, He maketh me to lie down. Now, those of you that have been with me these 12 years, I have made mention, and I'll have to correct some Bible doctrine. See, even I, pastor, can be wrong sometimes. I remember making a comment out of this verse, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And some of you, when I say this, it'll click. You say, ah, I kind of remember him saying that because it scared me. And I made the comment that if you won't take a selah, which is a rest, if you won't slow down a little bit and, and take a rest, God will knock you down and make you take a rest. Now, I had heard that. I heard that from a preacher, preacher friend. I, I searched my brain. I can't remember who. It's been years gone by, but for some other reason, maybe I needed it in the time. And maybe it was for me. But I've kind of, I've, I've, I've went that way and I, I slanted, I leaned that way. And when I come across, I said, you better be careful about getting too busy. And you get so busy that you leave God out of your life because God will make you lie down. But it's always troubled me when I said that. Now, God's allowed me to say that. And God let me get away with it. Maybe I needed that. And maybe when that preacher preached it, I can't remember who it was because I'd name him so I could blame him. <laughs> See, that's the problem. And that's why I always advise you, you follow me in the Word of God. When I turn to Scripture, you turn to Scripture. If you're born again, you've got the Holy Spirit of God in you. And, you know, because I'm a man, and as a pastor, I'll speak 1.4 million words a year, I'm bound to make some mistakes. And so if the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you how it rang, I can, I can do this in musical tones. When I made that statement, even when I was preaching it, it kind of sounded like a string on my guitar is a little flat. You could still play it, still get away with it, but it wasn't quite up to pitch. I just never got in there and looked at it. You know, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, if you won't take a rest, that I'm going to take my rod and my staff and I'm going to knock you down. Now, that sounded good to a young preacher, you know, by might. Yeah, that's right, Lord. You get them. You knock them down. That's not what the Lord's saying here. And the context bears that out. 
And I would love to share that with you to, today. This is not the make as if you don't, I'll knock you down. You see, you got to know a little something about sheep. And I guess I didn't know enough about sheep till I began to look at this because that statement, it always bothered me when I had made it. Now, I believe that the man that said it was meant well and maybe the Holy Spirit, it sounded so good to me, maybe because it appealed to my flesh, carnal side. Maybe it was something I needed as a business owner, full-time dad, uh, involved in church. Maybe I had too many irons in the fire at the time. I don't know. But let me give you the doctrinal. What is God saying here? Well, number one, sheep. This rest, he maketh me lie down, is not the make as in, again, <laughs> You've had it happen to you and you've had it happen. I've had it happen to me. Someone says, hey, you need to get out of my way. Maybe your brothers and sisters say, make me. And the fight was on. <laughs> Maybe, and see, that's how I'm looking at it. Oh, make me. He's going to make me. Maybe the Lord says, you might need to sit down a little bit. And you say, Lord, make me. <laughs> now, I wouldn't advise that. <laughs> There's more than one definition to the word make. And he's in the context of sheep. And he's in the context of the good shepherd. And he's in context of a great shepherd. And the chief shepherd. And then the context begins to open up. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. Well, that don't sound too bad. No, the Lord's not trying to communicate it as being bad. See, sheep, they need four things dealt with in their life before they will rest or lay down. Number one. They need fear eliminated. If a sheep is afraid, it will not lay down. If a sheep has friction in the flock, if there's friction among uh, the other sheep, a sheep will not lie down. If the flies are bothering the sheep too much, they will not lay down. Matter of fact, if you've ever observed animals like sheep, goats, cattle, every once in a while, maybe with more of the younger ones, you'll see them jumping around a little bit. And they're not really jumping around because they're happy. Sometimes the little goats are. It's if you get close enough, you can see flies all over them. They're trying to get away from those flies. Sheep will not lie down if they're being plagued by flies. But sheep will not lie down if they're anxious or have anxiety over no food. And so what the Bible is telling us here, because of the context, he says, He maketh me, not the make that if you don't do it, I'm going to smack you. The Lord says, I'm going to, Create the conditions and make the conditions possible that you can rest. Because that's the good shepherd. He says, he maketh me lie down 
in green pastures. That takes care of the food problem, doesn't it? I mean, have you ever watched sheep and cattle? And I even said, I used to remember, and I think back of them sitting down there by the creek that run through the property, and, and there was trees there, and there were bigger trees, so they were shade trees, and the grass is up about this high, and, and so they were just laying there, and they were chewing the cud, but when they were chewing the cud was over, they could just, if they were hungry, they could just lay there, and they could just get a little nibble of, of some more grass, and so they were able to lay down, and they felt uh, good enough to lay down because God had taken the anxiety away. I'm thinking they wasn't going to get food. But then he says, He leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, I don't know about you, but I was thinking about this last night, and I've done this a time or two. If you ever have a problem with anxiety, and you just can't rest, and there's, there's a, a, a war going on in the side of you, you can't relax. Find yourself some still moving water. I've wrote a few songs sitting by a riverside. There is nothing more calming than listening to water rolling over the rocks. Some people probably have that on their phone. They got night sounds, and one of those sounds will be water or maybe ocean waves. They just gently roll in. But a river or a creek, I remember the creek and sitting down there by the creek as a child and how such a calming effect that it had. And the Lord says, I'm going to calm the friction that's among the sheep by placing them by still waters. You see, He says, Thou preparest a table before me. Again, dealing with the food. But look what he does with the fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. And this is why I know, again, he's not talking about the make as in if you don't, I'm going to hit you with my rod and staff. Because he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yeah. You see, Christ is eliminating the fear. But then he says, thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. You say, why would you anoint the head of a sheep? Well, back in this day, because it has an historical application, and because we're dealing with the Middle East, and these days they would take oil, if my memory serves me correct, they would mix certain herbs with it that would repel flies. But the main point is they would anoint their sheep's head with oil, namely the nose area, because flies would like to crawl in there, lay eggs, and those larvae crawl up into their brain and cause them some severe problems. And you see, God says, I'm going to eliminate the fear so you can rest. I'm going to eliminate the problem and anxiety over food so you can rest. I'm going to eliminate the friction so you can rest. And I'm going to eliminate the flies, which are the daily irritations of life. In the Bible, flies have a connection to devil, Beelzebub. 
And so the Lord says, you let me anoint your head with oil. And I kind of got to thinking about that balm over there in Gilead. You know, the Lord's got a balm and he's going to anoint us with oil. And he says, look, David says, this is why the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to be a sustained sheep because he's going to provide these things. He's going to eliminate the fear, the flies, the friction and the famine so I can lay down and get some rest. That's the good shepherd. That's the biblical interpretation. I've been wrong all these years. Kind of leaning more the other way, like, yeah, the Lord, he'll just knock us down. <laughs> Maybe he does with me. Maybe I'm just that stubborn. The Lord said, yeah, that was for you, but that's not the biblical doctrinal interpretation. <laughs> it's to help comfort people and to edify the body of Christ that a sheep will not lie down. <laughs> Unless these four things are dealt with. And the good shepherd deals with these four things. So that we can lie down in the green pasture. But then he says, he restoreth my soul. You see that? That word restore means to bring back again. That prefix re means to do again. Restoreth means he's going to bring it back into balance. And the good shepherd, because we as sheep, as are prone to wonder, we get out of balance. We get in church, out of church. We get in church, but we're in sin. We get happy, then we're sad. We get depressed, then we're flying high. Flying low, we're up, we're down, never the same. And sometimes all that in the same day. Ever had a day like that? <laughs> Wake up on top of the world by 9.30, you're, you're in a corner crying somewhere. <laughs> oh, okay. Just me then. <laughs> Whole world comes the end if I don't know what I'm eating at 12, you know. <laughs> Say, what is that? Getting out of balance. We get out of balance with God. And the good shepherd says, I'm going to restore. He restoreth my soul. I begin to do a little more study on this. And there is a condition, and I'll probably butcher this. And there's no doctors in the house, is there? Okay, good. If there is, don't tell me. Something called AFib. Arterial fibrillation, probably butchered it. It's beyond my pay grade. Called AFib. I named it spiritual AFib. There's Christians that get spiritual AFib. And it's when your heart won't beat right. Sometimes it beats fast. Sometimes it beats slow. Sometimes it beats fast and slow. The top part of the heart might beat fast, bottom part, I, however that works. Again, I'm getting into the weeds. <laughs> I know it's a serious condition. But it's quite, I'm going to use this word, easily dealt with, if you want to use that word. So I don't sound easy. No, it don't to me either, but that's, I was Cleveland MD, where I went. You know, you Google all that stuff. 
So you can self-diagnose yourself, scare yourself to death, and then finally go to the doctor and you're like, oh no, you just need an aspirin. <laughs> you need a Tylenol or something. Oh, But this AFib, when a person's heart gets out of rhythm, doesn't beat right, you, can, uh, uh, you won't feel right. You could be walking around, but you just won't feel up to snuff. You'll be up, down. Uh, one day you'll have energy, the next day you won't. And, and it's just never right. Sometimes you'll have a 130-rate heartbeat. Other times you'll have a 90-heartbeat. Uh, sometimes they got to treat that. And they treat it by putting you in there, putting you under. Because it says you don't want to be awake when this happens. And they shock your heart back into rhythm. I don't know why I thought about it like that, but sometimes we get out of balance with God, don't we? And the good shepherd said, I'm not going to let you stay that way. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to put you back into the right rhythm of life. He restoreth my soul. Now, let me give you personal experience. Because I don't want you to walk away from this like, oh, will God hit me? Will he knock me down to put me back in rhythm? No, that's not what I'm trying to communicate. If you've been saved any time at all, you'll know that when the Lord begins to work with you, that he does so gently. He, he begins to work slowly and gently but then he increases the intensity but he's always so gentle Uh, we as pastors (laughs) and even the apostles they were not always gentle were they i mean it was the sons of thunder that says lord just let us call fire down on them let's wipe them out start all over again the lord said man whoa 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 back up they're just an afib (laughs) you know you don't know what spirit you're of here So the Lord said, no, 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 no. Let me begin to work with his sheep to bring it back into balance. The Lord has dealt with me that. And and, and when I look back and I realize what really was going on, I was thinking something completely different due to circumstances. And the whole time God was working on me and I was viewing it wrong because I wasn't viewing it like a sheep. I was viewing it like I was going to tell the shepherd what to do. And I was disgruntled with what he had allowed to happen. And so I got into AFib. And the Lord began to work. It took a couple of years for me that one time. And the Lord was so gentle. Now, he was there. He was insistent. But it ain't gentle compassionate way and i believe that's what he's communicating here in light of the context of the text he's going to restore he's going to bring you back and he's going to restore your the right heartbeat in you the right rhythm spiritual afib but then i see When the Lord's your shepherd and you have that right mindset, you're going to be a submitted sheep. You know, He can't lead you if you won't follow. There's something to that. You know, He can't lead you if you won't submit. 
And so with the proper mindset, you'll be a submitted sheep. But then he says, I will fear no evil. There in verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Did you see that? There might be a shadow of death that comes over you, but it ain't death himself. You're not afraid of a shadow, are you? Well, some of you are. After dark, turn the lights out, you're a little afraid of shadows. (laughs) Jen's laughing. Yeah, so are you. Sneak up you in the dark in the church and (laughs) you go all sorts of scared (laughs) before you come to yourself. Uh, and I always tell him, oh, almost got you with my karate chop. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> gotcha. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He says, there might be a potential for death, but it's just a shadow when the Lord's my shepherd. Oh, that's a secured sheep. What he's saying is, Jesus is with me. He'll never leave me. And that's what the Bible says. He says, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's the good shepherd. He won't abandon you. I've felt abandoned before. Have you ever felt abandoned? Yeah, well, that's just a feeling. It ain't true. If you're born again, God has never, never abandoned you. So I sure felt it. I know I have too, a time or two. Found out later because the Lord bringing me back the heart rhythm, the thinking right, because I was in spiritual AFib, I learned later that the Lord was all over me in that moment. I couldn't see Him because He was on me. His banner over me was love. He was actually protecting me. I I couldn't see until I got away from the situation. You see, a secured sheep, Elimination of fear. He says, This rod and his staff, they comfort me. They're not there to beat me, but they're there to protect me. The shepherd not only has the tools for protection, he has the wherewithal to use them. And that produces a smiling sheep, a happy sheep. You see, because he says there in verse 6, Surely, and again, this is what happens when you get saved real early in life. 6, and you've memorized these verses, but I thought surely was something too. And it's not the surely as in it's it's an element. It's this thing is sure. Goodness. And mercy, and I always said, surely goodness. I I don't know what surely goodness is, but I wanted some. (laughs) It sounded like some kind of good ice cream to me. (laughs) It's like, no, when the Lord is your shepherd and you've got the right mindset and you're going to follow where he leads And yeah, it might go through the valley of the shadow of death. There'll be seasons of hard times. But you know and you have confidence 
in yourself knowing that he's going to provide and going to take care. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. And his rod and his staff, you know, they're going to comfort you. And goodness and mercy follow you. Well, let me ask you a question. What's following you? Is goodness and mercy following you? Or is anarchy and mayhem and destruction following you? What's following you? Goodness and mercy is following me. But the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy, yea, uh, <laughs> thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Even in the heat of battle, thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely, this is a sure thing, it's a promise. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And because God's leading me, and He's my shepherd, and I follow where He leads, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Doctrinal implication, He's talking about heaven. In my father's house, <laughs> in the house of the Lord, <laughs> there are many mansions. <laughs> when Jesus is your shepherd, when the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Because he's going to make the conditions right so that I can get rest, that I can be sustained, that I can be secured, and that I can be smiling in this life. Not because I'm always happy, because I have a joy down in my heart that I serve the Good Shepherd. Let's all stand this morning.